Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Kim was a journalist and uh, what's happened to her happened to her because she was there on an assignment. She was there to work. All the people that worked so hard so that we could bring home Hold Kim again. They are the heroes of all this uh, history. You're listening to Behind the Investigation, and I'm your host, Anna Codriarado. The Investigation is a daring crime drama on HBO that tells the previously untold story of the extraordinary work that went into solving the 2017 murder of journalist Kim Ball. Just a quick warning that this podcast does talk about a violent crime, which some listeners may find distressing. Kim wasn't an anonymous victim. She had a vibrant life and her outstanding journalistic work made a lasting impact on the world. There are plenty of stories that she wrote that are some of my personal favourites and bits of journalism that I've ever seen written. Following her death, her parents, Ingrid and Joachim, have been carrying her legacy forward with the Kim Val Memorial Fund. It provides funding for female journalists who want to report on the kinds of stories that Kim loved to tell. Stories about what she called the undercurrents of rebellion. In this episode, the final one in our series, I have what I can only describe as a true honour of being able to sit down with her parents, Ingrid and Joachim, to talk about Kim and the work that they are doing to keep her spirit alive. Ingrid and Joachim, it is such a pleasure to have you here today. I would really like to start off today by letting the listeners know who Kim was. So if you wouldn't mind, in your own words, can you describe your daughter to those listening? We're happy to do that. Uh, Kim was uh, a natural power, really a natural power from when she was just a a small kid. She was uh, very, very determined and she was stubborn. And she knew her way uh, through life already as as a kid. And uh, she, if she had set her mind on something, she should go that way. And that was uh, when she was uh, a small one and when she was in her teens. It was not always so easy to, to cope with that uh, determination. And But she almost succeeded to, to do what she had uh, set her for. And uh, from 
when she was uh, a grown up she was so extremely focused on that she wanted to uh, not live in Sweden uh, but go abroad and do things that make a change for for other people and uh, at first she wanted to go into diplomacy she thought that that could be a way to to work but after half a year in the european union's embassy in um, in delhi india then she realized that uh, it was better to write for for the press as a journalist because there she will find a, a greater audience and um, that was what she did for for the rest of her very short too short life you mentioned that kim wanted to go abroad and as i've shared before in earlier episodes of this podcast i was lucky enough to know kim because we were at university together in new york and it was there at the columbia journalism school that kim graduated with honors and went on to become an incredible journalist describing her work herself as covering the undercurrents of rebellion, reporting on subcultures from around the world for media outlets, including the New York Times, The Guardian, Time Magazine, Vice, just to name a few. One of my personal favorite stories of Kim's was one that she actually did in Florida in the States a few years ago in a place called Gibtown, which is a self-proclaimed freak show town inhabited by former circus workers. And to me, that was a classic Kim story, one that a lesser journalist could have created a spectacle out of. But under Kim's pen, it was a tender and humane story about people who live in an unconventional way. Would you be able to tell us some of your favorite stories of Kim's and the rigorous journalistic work that she was so renowned for? Oh, there are there are many of them, but I think that uh, I think we are uh, the, the the most important ones is the series of articles from Marshall Islands, and that's because uh, Kim and her two friends from from Colombia, they were on a story years before uh, other people be, being aware of what the catastrophe. It's a way it, uh, it's it's going to happen in uh, in the in the pacific it's about the nuclear test area they had under the, after the the second world war uh for uh, nuclear weapons and uh, the people that lived there was evacuated and uh, promised to get back and uh when all this has finished all the stops were finished it was so uh, nuclear waste so much of it so the the americans build a, a dome in concrete it's it's a huge dome and uh, filled it up with uh, radioactive material that they found and cleaned up but it wasn't enough and when the people come back they suffered from that they couldn't grow their own vegetables they couldn't eat the fish from the sea outside they couldn't join anything because it is contaminated by by uh, radioactivity and that is the story about what's happening there right now and and in uh, terms of environmental the sea levels are rising and uh, 
getting in touch of this concrete dome where all this stuff is and it is uh, getting the concrete is uh, tell me yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> the concrete is, uh, yeah. is demolished and it is leaking everything from plutonium to uh, to uh, other radioactivity if you if you look at the the pictures from Marshall Island it looks like it's they're taking out of a of a, a travel guide it's blue sea and it's sandy beaches and it's palm trees but it's all contaminated because you can't eat anything that you grow there and you can't eat the fish and the, the Marshallese people they are very small to numbers And they are living in a part of the world that no one counts for them at all. But Kim and her friends, they, they did it and they did a great story. And it's been published in uh, several countries in uh, in Europe and even in uh, in the States. And they they gained several prizes for it. And I think it's such a, an important story because it, it says that what was done several decades ago cast a long, long shadow today and uh, no one really don't care about these people. And that was, a, I think, a very typical um, Kim story because she she combined the human touch with a, with a global thing. So that's one we are very proud of. Kim really put herself at risk telling these stories. I mean, the story about the Marshall Islands, it, that there are still radioactive substances there. And there are photographs of her having to wear a mask and she really put herself in danger. And, and I think it really goes to show, it's such a testament to her, the lengths that she would go to, to tell these important, and as you say, untold stories. Yeah. Yes, And uh, when, when they left Uh, the Marshall Islands, they had to go through some uh, uh, for investigating afterwards if they are, had any plutonium inside them and that was done on, on the island and uh, the test result was sent to, to America for analysis and uh, when they come back it, it takes a long time for them to get the result of this because it's It's a complicated thing, I think. The test failed for Kim, so she had to do it one more time, and she was quite upset of that and uh, wondering for half a year if she was contaminated or not. But when we talked uh, about uh, about the risk, because as a parent you are always worried for for your uh, for your kids, she always said that the 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 story is so important, so I have to do it. So the story was was more important for her than than anything else, but she was in no way naive when she uh, got abroad. I remember one late night the phone rang here at our house in Sweden, and uh, Kim was she was uh, alone in um, in in Havana, Cuba, making a story there, and she had rented a Airbnb. And she would like to, of course, she was always on a tight budget, but she wants to, to live close to the people she wants to uh, to portray. But uh, that night it was too much. So she phoned and said, can you wire some money so I can go into a hotel? Because this is, um, I'm, I don't feel safe. And she did a great story about the 
the the not internet that uh, keeps people in uh, in in Cuba informed. Yeah, that's a really lovely story. It's another one of my favorites. It was for Harper's Magazine. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a really lovely story. It's again one of these stories that only Kim could find. Um, you know, to go to these places and not tell not tell the story that you expect, but tell something that is about real people and that just captures. A, a part of life that you just don't ever get to hear about. Um, the the photographs and the story about the Marshall Islands actually featured in the investigation TV series. How did you feel about getting to see Kim's work feature in the show itself? And there was that there's that lovely scene where um, the actors who play you are telling the audience the um, story that you just told me about the work that she did at the Marshall Islands. So how did that make you feel? We were very, very proud. And we are so pleased that we could get that into uh, to the TV series because that, uh, that means, of course, a lot to us, but that gives also the audience uh, a picture that Kim was a, was a journalist and uh, what's happened to her happened to her because she was there on, on an assignment. She was there to work. So to uh, to put uh, the focus on that that Kim was was the journalist she was that traveled abroad oh, and to find the stories that are need to be told. That was very important for us. And uh, the, the actors that played us, they, they do it so well. So they are almost more us than we are ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> people, people ask me if we met, if we actually met them because... Uh, my alias Wolf uh, is uh, is walking like me, and my friends told me it's exactly like you. It even looks like you. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, our, and our and dog, did it yeah. in a really good way. And our dog Iso was uh, falling in love with uh, Will Rolf the first moment they met. So <laughs> there were many similarities. Iso, of course, who uh, we've mentioned this in a previous episode, but Iso, of course, who plays himself in the show. Um, he, he's the star of the family. <laughs> yes. And uh, he will get a star. I have planned for it in, in our uh, garden we should make a concrete with a star inside and his pawn in <laughs> it will be memorized like the holly like He's, the hollywood uh boulevard the the walk the what's it called the the walk walk, walk of fame, walk of fame. Yeah. yes like the yeah, yeah. Uh, that's yes. at the jarabaxwagen in sweden <laughs> if anybody would come and look at it they will see it in the future <laughs> um it, it now to you know we've touched on the TV show so it um it goes without saying how difficult the project must have been for you both but also at the same time it's one that is so clearly very important now, Tobias has talked a lot about how integral you were in working closely with him to ensure the story was told in the right way can you tell us a bit about how you both found the process of working on the TV series and whether the end result met or even perhaps exceeded your expectations from the beginning, it was uh, not at all uh, 
we haven't decided from from the beginning to take part of this. For at that time, we said no to absolutely everything. We we didn't speak to 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 media, and uh, we have a very very low low profile. But uh, after meeting Tobias and uh, having coffee with him and listened to him, we said that okay, we can take it uh, another part. We can. Uh, we, we can read the the manuscript and so but we have we, we didn't give any any promises but uh, we, we got a good feeling for Tobias we trusted him it was the first meeting we had with him and he he was telling us a great story what he was thinking of doing and we appreciated that and we we had a long discussion before we decided us and then we were completely uh, that we 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 would we would like to make this we trust to be us so we 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 decide to to join join in and uh, i've said it before that tobias has very very large uh, ears and uh, <laughs> because he is so good at listening and uh, we have had uh, several conversations and uh, after almost everyone then tobias is coming back and said that maybe we should do it like this and or doing like that and i think that we have had a great influence of uh, how the 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 result was especially uh, in the, the last episode where uh, where i <laughs> informer panilla went to to the local high school and talked to to the young people there i think it's uh, it's a very good description and uh, next week we are doing the, the same thing again but uh, it's uh, that's a, that's a very good example of how uh, tobias has listened to us and make it more it's not a documentary not in any way but it's uh, it's think, very close to yeah. a documentary so uh, we have had uh, so we are very pleased and now when the the tv series finished both in denmark and sweden we have had so many reactions and uh, before the the series was broadcast many people was very reluctant and said no i don't think i want to see it i don't want to to re, uh, hear about this terrible thing once again but afterwards people said it was so good and i think the the most important thing for us it's of course that kim was portrayed the way she is but it's we see it's like a, a tribute to uh, all the people that worked so hard so that we could bring home whole kim again and uh, i think they are they are the heroes of all this uh, history the ordinary men and women who were out on the small rubber boats in in november in the open sea and they they did a tremendous work and for for that we will be them grateful forever It's a way of say thank you very much for for your good work. As you're both journalists yourselves, um, the Val family is a family of journalists. So storytelling yes. um, is something that's very important to you both. So I'd love to know what factor did that play in your conversations with Tobias sort of understanding the power of storytelling and also of course Kim being the storyteller that she was how important was it for you 
to tell this story in in a very moving and powerful way and well essentially the ways that the that the TV show itself captures it you have to imagine that they were published worldwide more than 100,000 articles on the internet and in print and uh, not to mention all TV television shows and television uh, so uh, it's and all the time they mention the murder the case and they mention Kim as a journalist that's uh, that's a good in, thing in best cases uh, but, or as a victim but nothing more about what she has done or wh- how she was performing in her life and what she has done as a result of it there was not nobody has done anything like that so for us it was very important that the story was true and that there were no dra- dramatic uh, acts to to make it more and i think also in the series that you you can feel our our worries during this 111 days it took to uh, to get the whole of Kim back it was terrible it was a very very long time but i think that the viewers will realize even our feelings what do you hope that when people watch this what do you hope they'll feel or that they'll take away from the series that the that they will realize with gigantic work that's behind an, an investigation it's not like the ordinary tv series where the where the hero comes in and he fixes everything in the moment but that that it's a very long and tiring work and it's not always that they will succeed in the in the end and that's very very clear even here that it was not even if if everyone knew from the beginning who was the the murderer then it was not so easy to uh, to get that to to justice but they they succeed and for that we are very thankful and it's also important for us that kim is mentioned as the journalist let's talk a bit about the work that you've been doing over the last few years So in Kim's memory you launched the Kimval Memorial Fund which awards a $5000 reporting grant annually to a female journalist whose reporting carries forward Kim's legacy. Could you tell us a bit more about this fund and why it's something you're both so passionate about? For us it's very important that we can send every year at least one female journalist out in the world and do stories in in Kim's spirit. And so far we have uh, sent out six young female journalists and we are about to to launch the 2021 years grant right now. And uh, it it gives us a meaning in a lot of ways because people talk about him because when they and they read her stories and uh, so on. And I think it's so extremely important today to uh, to help 
female journalists all over the world because we all know that the media is under threat, even in in countries that call themselves democracies. And uh, it's I can only imagine the working conditions for female journalists in uh, in, for example, Africa or parts of uh, South America and so on. So someone must stand up and uh, take the fight for uh, for female journalists because we need the female voices in journalism. And Kim was more than ready to take that fight. And now when she is gone, so we have to to do it uh, do it for her and for all female journalists all over. It's something that is incredibly difficult when you are a freelancer, when you are a woman working in a very male dominated industry, even just making, making the numbers add up so that you can go and do a reporting trip can be, can be enough to stop you from doing it. So this grant really enables people, really enables female journalists to go forward and carry the work. Um, Can you tell us a bit about, Kim was, Kim was a freelancer um, for, all of her career and can you tell us about some of the struggles that she faced in doing her work it's very very hard to be a female journalist in the very male dominated world of uh, foreign correspondence and uh, so she she wants really wants to make something out of that and uh, she and many of her uh, her friends they have uh, some kind of um, call it sistership, that they shared uh, experiences with each other. Even if they were competing about uh, the same story, they shared that this editor take uh, take care of because he is um, doing bad things or he's no don't keeping words or he's not calling back and uh, so on. So I, and I really like this kind of sistership because that gives hope for the future. Yeah. I'm, I'm this sort of, it's like a whisper network between us freelancers, particularly the women, where we let each other know how things are going with different editors and we, sh- you know, sharing email addresses and contact details, but also sharing, you know, who not to mm. work with and who to work with. And it's it's that kind of support that is really, really important and really helps people actually make their way through this very difficult to navigate career, especially when you're when you're out there alone working for yourself. For any listeners who are female, young female journalists themselves, could you tell us a bit more about how the fund works and how they can find out more about it and how it is administered so that anyone who wants to perhaps apply or learn more can go and find that out? We, uh, we work uh, together with IWMF, International Women's Media Foundation, and they have been a great, great help for us and are very, very good friends in uh, in this work. And uh, the easiest way is to uh, to go into the rememberingkimval.com page on the internet or uh, iwmf.org. And we have, in this work, we have a very, very much help from what we call our uh, our big family, friends and family of Kim Val. She had uh, friends all over the world, and uh, they have, many of them has now become our friends. Some of them have visited us here, and we have uh, we have met them when we have been in other places in the world, and we we see them as our 
new, very, um, very special family. There are people of all colors, religions, uh, ages, uh, and they, we we really like our new extended family, and they are so important to us. You've actually written a book yourselves. Um, it's one that I've I've read myself and I've absolutely loved it. It's a really remarkable account of Kim's life and work and undoubtedly would really help. It's going to really help many people around the world connect with her. Could you tell us in your own words what the book is about and how it helped you process and deal with your shared grief? It's called A Silenced Voice. And uh, it's a voice that was silent all too soon and in a very uh, brutal way. The book is uh, is uh, two parts. One is about Kim from uh, from her first day until her last day, and the other is uh, it begins on uh, August the tenth, the early morning when we got the phone call that Kim was uh, was missing on, on a submarine, and uh, it ends uh, one year later on the tenth of August when we uh, have the first run for Kim. And uh, Run for Kim is uh, all over the world. There are people running for, for Kim in her name and uh, giving a, a small amount of money to, to the fund. And uh, it's uh, it's really a, a roller coaster because it's um, we describe what's happening with us and with uh, with our the people around us and everything during this very terrible time when we didn't know if Kim were missing if she was still living somewhere without possibilities to uh, to contact us and during all this terrible time with the with the search for her and then the the trial the the first trial so uh, it's it's really we are trying to um, talk about our feelings and how even how we how we think that uh, you should treat other people in not in the same situation because that's impossible but if you um, if you are grieving and uh, if you have sorrow and i would like to just say that the writing of the book that's ingrid but the experience of this time is our together. So she has done a great job. And uh, we also, I also write about ESO uh, and the importance of, of a dog in a situation uh, like this. And one reaction we often met from, from people was that we don't know what to say. We, ha- we haven't any words. And that's the the title in, uh, in Swedish and Danish. The, the, when, when the world is, when there are no more worlds, we have to live, live on, and uh, there are light in the end of the tunnel. There are absolutely, even if it's hard to to see it some days. There it is. That's that really feels like a mantra of yours that to look for the light in the darkness. So that's something that really comes across in the book and is something that is reflected also in the TV series. Could you tell us a bit about how you how you go about trying to find that light? I think we are even if we have been struck by this terrible tragedy, we have other things to to live for. We have Tom Kim's brother. And now we have a little grandson, 
and uh, we have our dog we we have the the garden the nature the beach the there are so many things in life that are worth living for you have to to go and cry and laugh the laugh you should have with you all the time as well even if it's it seems impossible but let it let let you cry and uh, let you love as well thank you um i think that's a really lovely and poignant note to end this on and i really just wanted to thank you for sharing your story for sharing about kim it's been a really really it's been a pleasure to listen to so thank you to you both thank, thank you. you thank you you've been listening to behind the investigation with me anna codrado based off of a series presented by hbo and miso film a fremantle company i really want to say a big thank you to ingrid and joachim for taking the time to talk to me and just for reminiscing about Kim with me, almost for having her kind of be there again just for that moment. Kim's story doesn't end here. The Kim Fahl Memorial Fund sends a female journalist every year to report on a story, the kinds of stories that Kim herself loved to tell and the ones that she would have done if she were still with us. All of the information about the fund and also links to Kim's journalism can be found at rememberingkimval.com. That's Kimval spelt K-I-M-W-A-L-L. I also wanted to say a huge thank you to you, the listeners, for sticking with this series and listening to us talk about Kim and all of the work that she's done. Thank you.